So this week on Facebook, I put out a question, uh, who do you know that's famous? And not just like in general terms, like do you have a famous sibling or somebody that you, uh, that you know personally? And I got a lot of different, um, apparently you all have a very generous definition of what famous is. Um, I mean, some people are, are not quite famous, but you know, if you feel good about being related to them, that's fine. But uh, there were, there were a lot of different uh, answers there. Some uh, were distant relatives of politicians. Uh, I had a former youth who went uh, to uh, acting school at Evansville University. He said he had a class with someone I'd never heard of, but apparently he's famous. And so um, I, we, we know people. There was one in particular, though, Becky uh, Hill put on there, that she was distantly related to Colonel Sanders, the chicken guy. Now, I, too, have been told that I am distantly related to the chicken guy, Colonel Sanders. So maybe we're, we're long-lost relatives, Becky. We just don't, don't know. But I, I've been told that my whole life. I got told that, and so I thought that was really cool. And so fourth grade, we had, like, Famous People's Day, and so there's people dressing up like Abraham Lincoln and all these great world leaders, and here I walk in as the guy who's adding to America's obesity. Like, that's, that was me. Um, and... But I was proud. I was related to him. So I was like, yeah, you know, this is, this is great. Um, chances are, though, uh, you, you have had to use someone's name before. Either because you wanted to get into something, so you tried to have a job, right? And so you dropped someone's name, hoping that they would get you a job. And I'm sure this isn't the case for anyone here, but it also could drop a name to get you out of something like a ticket or something else like that right you got pulled over and you knew that your second cousin twice removed was on the city council and so you just thought you know that you dropped his name to try to get that that you're going 85 over drop down and not get that ticket you know? but knowing someone helps you know? Uh, this series is uh, wrapping up today, and we've been taking a look at the, the life of Moses. And as Steve mentioned in his communion meditation, the whole idea is that Moses, if we had a job description for what God wanted, we would not look at Moses. We would not think that he was the one that God would call and to do all that, he do, uh, all that God wanted to do through him. We look at these stories, and we often just say, my goodness, isn't that great? What a great story. What a great thing that Moses got to experience all of this. But the truth of the matter is that the reason it's in the Bible is for us to learn from it. And there's a particular section in Scripture that today we're going to take a look at. And it's in Exodus 33. In Exodus 33, beginning in verse 7. Now, this is what's happening. Uh, The Israelites have messed up. And so basically, you can open Exodus and randomly point to a section, and that's probably the background with what's happening. But the Israelites have messed up again, and God has even said, he said, from now on, you're just going to go. I'm not going with you anymore. You keep doing these things that you know you shouldn't do. And so Moses is going to go and talk with God. But what uh, Exodus wants to show is that this wasn't uh, out of the norm. This is how it went every time that the Israelites would stop and set up camp. God would go, or Moses would go, and he would talk with God, and this is how it worked. <coughs> Verse 7 says, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside of the camp, and whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent... The pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. 
Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at, their, at the entrance to the tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. What a phrase, isn't it? What a phrase. The Lord would speak to Moses as one speaks to a friend. The God of all creation, the God who, who created the universe, the God who created mankind, the God who is far greater than anything we can imagine, would come down and speak to Moses as someone speaks to a friend. And we look at that and we talk, think about how great it is that Moses gets to experience something like that. But we look at Moses' life, and this is yet another instance where Moses isn't qualified for this. I mean, Moses is the same guy who had the limitations and the same guy who had all the issues. Moses is the guy who, even when they went through the desert, Moses would continue to mess up, and the people that he was supposed to be leading would continue to mess up. And yet here God meets with him face to face. Someone speaking to a friend. And what you and I have to understand this morning is we're not only called to go, we're not only called to be equipped. God doesn't just qualify us for that, and God doesn't just go with us, but God wants to be this for you. This is what uh, Steve read from the communion meditation this morning, but Colossians 1, 21 through 22. It says, Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Once you were alienated from God. Once there was a huge chasm between you and God that you could not and you cannot pass through. And yet... God, through Jesus, has come and He has given us an opportunity to have a relationship with Him. If you are not alienated from someone, that makes you a certain type of person. It makes you a friend. If you are not alienated from someone, it gives you an opportunity to be a friend. And so, the same thing that happens here with Moses happens to us. We are God's friend. When you are in Christ Jesus, when you have the blood of the Lamb... This microphone is absolutely driving me crazy this morning. I'm sorry. Let's just start the whole thing over. No. All right. Uh, when you have the blood of the Lamb washing over your sins, you are God's friend. You become God's family. And as God's friend, guess what? You get benefits for that. Because you are God's friends, there are certain things that are allotted to you that you are allowed to do, that you are allowed to experience, that people who are not do not get to do that. You see, Moses talked to God face to face. Look at Hebrews 4. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Look at what Hebrews tells us. Hebrews says that we get to approach the throne of grace with confidence because of Jesus. That means that because we are God's friend, we get to talk to God. Because we have a relationship with Him, we get to talk to God. 
This isn't rocket science, I don't think, for a lot of us. But the shame of it is, it's become almost, we've kind of watered it down. Prayer is talking to God. We teach it when you're five years old over here in children's church, and we hear it throughout. Prayer is talking to God. So you hear it since you're really, really young. Let's put it this way. Prayer is having the God of the universe's undivided attention for a conversation. That's big. And yet, every time we pray, and even though we may have thousands or millions of people praying at the same time, we have God's full undivided attention. Why? Because the blood of Jesus washes us from our sins. It, it, it eliminates that, that alienation that was there. And you and I get to talk to God. That's what we get to do. And so Moses gets to talk to God here. There's something else. Remember, God is saying, listen, you guys are going to be on your own. And so Moses goes and pleads with God. He says, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and have found favor with me. Uh, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Moses says, do not send us up from here if you don't go with us. Now this is a sermon in and of itself, but let's take this as an aside this morning. This should be our prayer every time that we get up. Don't send us out here. Don't send me out here unless you go with me. As a reminder that he's always there. You see, God reiterates His promise that He's going to go with Moses, He's going to go with the Israelites, and He will not leave them because Moses is the leader of His people, and because they are His people, He will overlook their sins and will continue to go with them no matter what. And we've talked about this a few weeks ago, but as God's friend, we get to the assurance to know that God is with us as well. Not only do you get to talk to God, but He's always with you. It puts into context Paul's command, or his, his command for us, is that pray continuously. Now, if you are a continuous talker, then there's always someone around. If not, there's something wrong. But it, there's always somebody around. You can talk to someone constantly. To pray continually means there always has to be God around, and the beautiful thing is that He is. The reason we can pray continuously is because at any given point we can turn and we can pray and God is there. He's always with us. Look at what God says to Joshua who comes after Moses. He says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we see this phrase, I will never leave you nor forsake you, constantly throughout the Psalms and throughout Scripture. In fact, when Jesus goes and ascends to heaven, after He, he comes back from the dead, is His great commission. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them all I have commanded you. And then he puts this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He says, I'm always with you. And as God's friend, as people no longer alienated from God in Christ, we have the assurance that God goes with us everywhere we go. He is always there. Then it seems that Moses gets cocky. He's just asked God to go with them. He asked God to protect them. And then he says this, Show me your glory. Surely he knows that that basically means um, no, no, one, no one looks at his glory and survives. Right? No one experiences this and survives. And Moses, I guess he wants assurance that God's going to go with him. So he says, show me your glory. And the Lord says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Now Moses is just showing off. He gets, he asks God, show me your glory. And God says, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. Can you imagine? All of God's goodness to pass in front of us. And we look at this instance, and I know that there's so many of us here this morning who have said the phrase at one time, or maybe even this morning, I would believe in God if He would just show me that He exists. And this is the same thing that, that Moses kind of prays here, right? He said, listen, I want you to go with me. Right? More than that, I'll, I want to see you to, to have this assurance that you're going to go with us. And we may feel like we're completely uh, at a loss in this situation. Right? By show of hands, anybody seen a burning bush? Anyone seen a plague of locusts? You may think you had one, but you didn't really have one. They were just annoying to you. Anybody ever walked through the sea on dry land without there being a severe drought? No, you haven't. And so we look and we say, you know what? It would be nice to have these assurances. It would be nice to be able to see all of this. Colossians 1, we go back there. It says, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Very first verse. The Son is the image of the invisible God. That means... When we say, well, what would God be like? We just have to open up our New Testament. That means when we say, well, what would God say about this situation? All we have to say is, did Jesus say something about it? 
What would God do in this situation? Well, we look in the Bible and we say, well, this is what Jesus did. Because we have Jesus, and because the, here in verse 19 it says that all of his fullness dwelt in Jesus. He was fully God, fully man at the same time. When we need to know what would God do, we get to see it in the person of Jesus. You see, as God's friends, as God's friend, you can see him through Jesus. Through the way he lived, through the way he acted, through the things that he said, because he was fully God, we get to see the way God is. Not only that, look, everything has been created through him and for him. He's before all things and he holds all things together. Jesus is evident in everything that's around us that's good. Everything that's the way it should be is because Jesus holds it together. And as God's friend, we can see him through Jesus. And because we see him through Jesus, then it's important for us to see what Jesus has to say about being his friend. John 15 He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Jesus says... You're, you're not my slaves. You're not my servants. Even though Paul would later say he's a slave of Christ, he says, you, no, you see, when you are a servant, you don't really know the plans of the master. I have let everybody in on what I'm here to do. And I have let everyone in on what God is trying to do through me and through the church for all of eternity. I've let you in on the family secret. It would be something if I knew those 11 herbs and spices from Colonel Sanders, but I don't. I'm not in on the family secret. I don't even get free chicken. But you and I as Christians, we get to see what's at the heart of God. It's to love Him and to love others. And Jesus says, if you do this, then I call you my friend. We are friends of God, because as God's friend, we're in on the plan. We have what the church is supposed to do until Jesus comes back, and then we have glimpses of the way things are going to be when Jesus comes back. There's so much uncertainty out there. There's so many things. Well, what's it going to look like? As Christians, we can open up our Bible and we can see, well, we might not know every specific, but I can tell you there's no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering. There's just perfection and we get to look forward to that there's one more scripture i want to look at as we kind of have followed moses's life we we looked at his birth and i think it's fitting here that we look at his his death in deuteronomy 34 
there's a picture of God telling Moses to go and to stand and look over everything around him. And he says here in verse 4, he says, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. Now we remember that Moses did mess up, and so Moses was not permitted to enter into the promised land, and yet God does something he doesn't have to do. God takes Moses by himself up on this mountain to see the promised land, so that I think that he wanted him to understand this is what all of it was for. This is what everything that I've called you to, this is where it leads. And then this is just a a section of scripture that blows my mind is so profound and powerful. It says, And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, just as as the Lord had said, He, who's He? God. God buried him in Moab, in the valley opposite of Beth Peor, but to this day no one knows where his grave is. God buried Moses. His servant who walked with him, who was not perfect and who was not qualified, and yet God called and used at the end of his life, God was the one who lowered him into the ground and buried him as a friend does for a friend. He was the only member present at Moses' funeral. And he wanted to make sure, I guess, that he paid his his friend his due. You see, here's something that we have to understand. While we've talked about things that apply to this life, the fact that you get to talk to God, that you get to know that he's always with you, the fact that you can see him through Jesus and that we're in on the plan, the ultimate benefit of being God's friend is that as God's friend, we can be assured that we're going to be welcomed home. As God's friend, we can be assured that we will be welcomed home. On that day where we breathe our last breath, we will be welcomed home. So many of you have, well, most of you are probably procrastinating, but some of you Some of you have already started getting your house ready for guests for this week. You've already started making that bed that your granddaughter comes and they sleep in, and you've done the laundry, and you've started sprucing up your house. Uh, You crazy people have put your Christmas stuff out all all ready because you want it out for everybody to see. Uh, Our Christmas stuff is out, but uh, it's, it's everywhere, and... But you prepared it, right? Like you, you consciously made sure that you prepared it. You wanted because you knew you had guests coming over, and when they got there, you wanted them to feel welcome. You want them to feel at home. John fourteen, Jesus looks at his disciples and he tells us too: Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there and to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You see, what, what is Jesus doing now? Well, he's doing a lot, but one of the things that he's doing, he's preparing a place for you. He's preparing a place for you. He's preparing a place for me. And he's preparing a place for the people who aren't here. Because we need to go and share the good news so that they hear 
that they have a reservation in heaven through the blood of Jesus Christ so that they can have what we have. And that's the opportunity to be welcome home. There are so many benefits in being God's friend. But the one we cling to and the one we hope for and the one that gets us through hard times and difficult times is the fact that one of these days we get to be with our family forever. No more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. You know, we sang this earlier today. But so often uh, there's a, a phrase that says, if you want to, a, a very skeptical person said, if you want to hear a Christian lie, just hear them sing. But I don't, wouldn't go that far. But I do think that we get in the habit of just singing songs. We don't really understand and process what it is that we're saying. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. A privilege. It's an honor. We get to take anything to Christ, anything to God, and He hears every word, and He does something about it. He always answers. And yet, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Unfortunately, I think that a lot of us fit that second part more than the first. We love that Jesus is our friend, and we may even conceptually have that, but it does not affect the way we live our life. We keep carrying our burdens, and we keep holding on to grudges, and we keep being bitter. We can't forgive ourselves, and we can't forgive other people. And our life is bogged down, and our life is so burdensome, and it's all because we forget that we have a friend who wants to take all of that away from us. A friend who came to earth to die on a cross so that we did not have to carry the things that we were never meant to carry. And every week we come here, every week we hear this message, and every week there is an invitation for all of us to quit carrying this stuff. To not be alienated from God anymore. You know, I, I hear a lot of people and they talk about, you know, I just, don't, I, I just don't feel close to God. Well, listen, if Jesus isn't in your life, then you're alienated from Him. And the basic definition of alienation is that you're far away. You have to have Jesus in your life to be close to Him. And so this morning, that is our invitation, as it is every week, to come and to say, I believe that Jesus is, is the Son of God. I believe that He is who He says He is, that He did what He said He was going to do. And I want to be in the family of God. And every week, we hope and we pray that you would come and accept that. You see, it's through Jesus that we are called friends of God.